0: I honestly uh, viewed this past offseason as a doubling down on the previous offensive philosophy that Arthur Smith and Todd Downing had.
1: Welcome to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. Happy Friday, everybody. If you are listening to this on Friday, then you know the NFL season kicked off last night in L.A., and we're recording this on Thursday, so we have no idea how that went, but I hope it was exciting because we'll be watching. JT's actually coming over to my place tonight where I'm having a little get-together. Uh, where We're kicking off the season right with some friends. So excited for us to get into the the weekly flow of the NFL season, not only because it makes our jobs a lot easier, Um, We were talking before the show about how we've reached the point in the offseason where we have beaten every storyline available to us absolutely to a pulp. And it's just where I'm so fatigued, like I'm ready for real football to begin and there be new topics for us to discuss. And we are so close to it. So today's show. Might be the most relaxed show that we do all year, but it's going to be a really fun one. Maybe the most fun shows we do all year. We still got plenty of great stuff to talk about. We've got some news to get into with producer J2 JT, who is joining me as always. JT, how's it going?
2: Hey, how's it going? Yeah, like you said, um literally we just are at this point are tired of speculating i'm ready to just like get into (laughs) it i'm like i'm tired of being like this team could be this i just want to see it now you know and i'm excited to see it tonight
1: yeah so am i and uh so we've got some news to get into with jt we've also got an interview with an old friendly face that you are going to recognize if you uh, have been listening to this show for any amount of time We also fixed my audio. If you listened to the first (laughs) uh, episode back last week, you know that it sounded like I was recording um, on a microphone about five feet away from me, like under a stack of books. And that was essentially what I was recording on. I was like an idiot talking into my microphone, as I do, and for some reason, my computer across the desk from me, uh, the microphone on my laptop was doing the recording so it was awful so i apologize for that hopefully and now i'm paranoid checking to make sure yes it is in fact my microphone that we're recording on so this should sound so much better you can hear my silky gorgeous tones loud and clear um so we're going to get into the news like i said gosh how long can we make this intro the news and then we've got an interview with a friendly face and then we have got a couple of segments for you that are fun a game segment with some uh hot takes to get into the hot read hot uh, hot read heat index we're going to do and we'll explain more about that in a bit and then we've got our betting segment which is going to be a staple of our friday shows jt and i love a good friendly wager we love a good um nfl gambling wager uh, in vegas we do a lot of um borderline degenerate activity on our uh, DraftKings accounts during the NFL season. And so we're going to kind of pass that love along and hopefully create a bit of a community uh, Friday betting situation. So excited about that. We'll get into that at the end of the show. But to lead off today, we have to talk about the most important thing going on in sports right now. Um, And that is not the kickoff of the NFL season. It is, in fact, the Atlanta Braves now just a half game back. In the NL East, and I bring this up because JT is a diehard New York Mets fan who the Mets, for some reason, earlier this week, decided to forget how to win baseball games. JT, is that right? They lost twice to the Nationals and then to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ugh. How does yeah. it feel to be a Mets it, fan right now?
2: Um, It's really interesting, right? Um, if you've ever been on Twitter and seen Mets, um, kind of the culture on there, Mets Twitter is kind of like the wild, wild west. Mm-hmm. You have you have half of the people, um, screaming like it's the end of the world, and basically <laughs> the other half telling them
1: to shut up. You know, um, I think Titans fans could probably relate to that. That sounds about just like a little how bit. We'll, um, I will be here in a couple of weeks, and Titans exactly. Twitter.
2: Um, but it is kind of crazy. You know, um, I saw. One game, you know, Nats shake it off. You know, we got Scherzer the next day. Scherzer comes up and they lose handedly again. Now Scherzer's on the and IL. And he gets hurt. Which isn't, He got hurt. Did he? Is he taking precautions before is, the postseason? Is, is he on the IR though? He is, but they're, they they put him on the IL um, with full intention to bring him off as soon as possible. So it's just kind of more of a precaution thing, I think. Um, but yeah, it's... Not the greatest feeling in the world, but it does certainly make um, baseball exciting, at least for the next couple of weeks. I know um, I was kind of feeling a little baseball fatigue in the middle there as the season is crazy long, (laughs)
1: Um, crazy, crazy long. But
2: I mean, it's anybody's division now. It's kind of it's kind of crazy, although uh, you remind me how
1: how many games up were the Mets at one point?
2: I want to say before June. They it's were like up by 10 ten and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, the craziest stat, I mean, since the start of June, the Mets are 51 and 33. Um, if you Which do is the like math, a season-long pace for It's like, for it's like a 98-win pace over yeah. 162 games. And over that 98-win pace, they've lost nine and a half games in the standings. <laughs>
1: Which just is like so the bets the met the bets the Mets really haven't been losing the lead the Braves no, have just they been haven't. going sicko mode um, for a little which bit which is kind of
2: crazy because the Mets finally have a good summer where they don't have a like where they don't have their catastrophic crash in the they middle didn't of the blow season up this time it's they didn't true. blow up yeah. and they still lost the division lead like out of their control um, the good news is they put up fifteen runs in two games against the Pirates yesterday so hopefully that brings them back. And they kind of <laughs> get back on track here. They also play some pretty bad teams still like the Marlins Cubs.
1: Marlins, kinda like again, those bad teams the just played and lost yeah. three games. too. So yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Well, okay. All right. Sorry, listeners. I know you didn't expect this Tennessee Titans and NFL podcast to lead out um, uh, the, the day after the NFL kicked off with uh, Braves Mets talk, but listen, it's, N- it's not NFL. It's Nashville sports adjacent. Um, I know most Baseball fans in Nashville, at least locals, are Braves fans, and and that's what I am. And so I just had to kind of bring that up with my uh, new my new producer and friend JT there, the Mets, desperately holding on to the lead in the NL East. All right, that's it. We've got really nothing else to talk about in terms of an opening monologue for the Titans. They play the Giants this week, so there you go. We're going to watch that. We're going to have all of the things to say in terms of breaking down that game. For now, let's get to JT with the news.
2: Alrighty, getting into the news today. Earlier this week, the T- Tennessee Titans named their captains for this upcoming season. We have Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Ben Jones, Kevin Byard, Jeffrey Simmons, and then on the special teams, we have Ola Adaini. Uh Do you think this list feels right? Is there anybody else you would have considered for that?
1: Yeah, no, this list feels right. I know that Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Ben Jones, Kevin Byer, Jeffrey Simmons, all of them have been captains on this team previously. Ola Dainey as the special teams ace captain is the only new addition. And I think that's fitting. He's certainly um, the guy who you'd say. I mean, he's not purely a special teamer, obviously, but he is still involved in special teams and does a fantastic job in that regard and is is slowly becoming a leader of the team. Uh, In that department. So that makes sense. I think all of these guys make sense. You know, the players vote on this. Brabel was asked about this in his press conference earlier this week, and he was kind of dismissive. Like, I don't pick these guys. The players pick these guys. It's about who the team wants to lead them. And so this is who the team wants to lead them.
2: All moving on to, of course, the week one matchup against the Giants. Um, a little bit of injury uh, trouble here already for the Giants going into this game. Their yeah. first round pick in Kayvon Thibodeau um, and also uh, Ogilotti are long shots to play week one against the Titans. Um, how do you think this is going to affect the Titans offense this week?
1: Well, it's a pretty big deal, um, actually, because those are the two primary pass rushers for the giants uh Kayvon Thibodeau, obviously the fifth overall pick this past year in the in the nfl draft and then aziz Ojalari coming off of a decent first season showing he's a second year player both of them dealing with uh, i believe lower body injuries that is leading them to according to giants camp um they are pretty doubtful to play in this first game and if they do you know at this point when a guy is still doubtful this late in the Week, if they do play, you'd expect them probably not to be as big an impact. It's a pretty massive deal for the Titans in general. The offensive line that you know is relatively new, not great in the recent past in terms of pass rush. It's significant when the other team loses their top two pass rushers. But the guy who it impacts the most by far is Nicholas Petit Frere, the new rookie right tackle for the Titans. It's going to make his job much easier. The learning curve for him should be significantly easier with both of those guys not trying to come around the edge on him. They'll probably still have somebody stapled to his uh, side in terms of tight end help the entire game, getting a running back to chip on the block and all these different ways that they can slide protection his way. But. It's going to be a big deal for him um, if those guys aren't playing and just in terms of pass protection and and easing himself into the game. I'm sure we're going to talk more about that with our guest here in a little bit, but that's a really big deal.
2: Yeah, and then one more prominent name to mention on the Giants side, uh, Sterling Shepard, also coming off that Achilles tear last season is questionable for this first game. Uh, kind of shakes up that Giants receiving core, but just another one to keep your eye on. As for the Giant or Titans side, uh, not too much to report here. It's looking pretty good, at least for most of the starters to go into week one.
1: Right. Yeah. They've only got a couple of more impactful guys on the injury report. I saw that today on Thursday, they added, um, oh, who'd they, uh, Ola Dainy, right? Wasn't that who they, yeah. Trying to pull. Yes. It was Ola Dainy. Yeah, they added him with a neck injury today. He was limited. And so, you know, that not to play doctor or um just throw random guesses into the wind. But in terms of a neck injury that doesn't completely sideline you from practice, that sounds like the kind of thing where you just tweaked a muscle in your neck, and that's one of the few uh injuries I think it that can show up on an NFL injury report that we all can relate to. You know, tweaking or pulling a muscle in your neck is a pain in the butt, but it's not really a A death sentence in terms of shutting it down. I'm sure they'll get him juiced up before the game, and he'll probably be all right to play. But something to monitor. And then the only only other guy that was on the injury report on Wednesday that was notable was Elijah Molden, obviously the uh, slot corner for the Titans. It, It just means that. the Titans are going to have to rely on their other three young corners who were, you know, the expectation coming in was that they were going to be the guys taking over for the most part anyways. And that's Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley and Roger McCreary. So those guys will be the, the three main cornerbacks in the game you'd expect at least you can you can all but certainly say that will be the case for those guys Caleb Farley you know still further down the depth chart than I think many would like but I would expect him to probably be that third corner in this game certainly something to watch though all right that's JT with the news all right now we have got an interview with the prodigal son who has in fact returned to the show James Foster formerly of the hot read podcast my co-host this past spring he's now with a to z sports um, doing their a to z film room work on youtube he's a content machine and he's one of the smartest x's and o's guys i know um we love to have him on the show if you've listened to the show at all you know how fantastic he is so let's get into our interview with him All right. We are joined by a familiar face on the Hot Read podcast, James Foster, now of A to Z Film Room. James was a co-host on the show last year. Uh, We did all kinds of draft content for you guys. So if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you're familiar with James and we're happy to have him back on the show. James, welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. So we're talking about the Giants today, obviously, thanks to the 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 gracious Lord, he has blessed us with some real NFL football to finally talk about, which is um, a breath of fresh air, I'm sure, for all of us. The Titans hosting the Giants this upcoming Sunday. I wanted to talk a little bit about the matchup. Obviously, the Giants as a roster, um, it's a pretty significant mismatch, top to bottom. The Titans and the Giants. Uh, you know, the Jimmys and the Joes on these teams just don't really match up in terms of the depth. Um, Tennessee should win this game, but we know how games are in which Tennessee should win. It's always kind of a coin flip with the Titans. Is there anywhere in this matchup that you see a strength on weakness for the Giants, or is it really top to bottom an advantage Tennessee?
0: Well, I would have said pass rush, um, but Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojulari are both questionable to doubtful. Uh, it's hard to really tell with injuries, but I mean, without them, you know, you're looking at jihad ward and oshane ziminez and you know dexter lawrence is a, a really good nose tackle but he doesn't offer that much as um much in terms of pass rushing so i think that you know that that would be one area where just comparing the rosters you would say pass rush on pass protection uh the giants have a strength there but if neither of those guys go then i i think that tennessee should be solid Um, And then the other thing that I would say would be Kadarius Toney versus the Titans corners, Um, Caleb Farley, Christian Fulton, and Roger McCreary. All three have had tackling problems throughout their NFL and college career. Mm. And Kadarius Toney is, I mean, legitimately the most, if not one of the most dynamic and elusive players with the ball in his hands. And so if it turns into a game that's decided by one or two big plays, I think Kadarius Tony
1: is capable of producing those. Let's talk a little bit about the Titans offense. And then I, I want to get back to the Giants offense and some of their skilled players. What do you anticipate the Titans offense looking like? You know, it's it's been a lot of turnover this past offseason with the personnel um, in terms of offensive weapons, the wide receivers and the tight ends, those groups are pretty different. Um, do you anticipate this Titans offense looking like what we're kind of used to seeing from the Titans, a smash mouth, hard nose, we're going to be bigger, more physical, stronger than you, and, and we're going to play that that kind of New Englandy Mike Vrabel football? Or do you see the increase in viable passing options and the addition of Tim Kelly as the passing game coordinator maybe kind of changing up what it looks like?
0: I honestly uh, view this past off season as a doubling down on the previous offensive philosophy that Arthur Smith and Todd Downing have had. Um, You know, you look at the addition of Traylon Burks, obviously they needed a receiver, but he's somebody that fits that scheme as far as being a yak threat. Um, Investing in the offensive line in the third round, running back in the fourth round. I think just philosophically, I would expect them to still be a run heavy uh, offense, predicated on getting teams to bite on play action, big shots over the middle of the field. Um, specifically when it comes to the giants, they were, I, I believe they led the league in cover two usage last season. Uh, but I mean, if you turn on any game of their film, you're going to see Julian love and Xavier McKinney, both back there. Like they like to have that split safety look before the snap. And so Tennessee's going to get a lot of light boxes and uh, All of Tennessee's offensive coordinators over the past few years, ever since they've had Derrick Henry, they've all shown that if you show them a light box, they will run the ball. So I expect a lot of carries for Derrick Henry.
1: Well, the tight end position last year really was non-existent in terms of offensive production for the Titans. It was a really bad tight end room, and they revamped that this past offseason. Do you think that they're going to be kind of try at least trying to return to, the tight end element of their offense that they, you know, really capitalized on in 2019 and 2020 with these guys, or uh, do you, I guess my question is last year we saw a shift to them trying to, or at least the preseason notion was they were going to try to run a little bit more 11 personnel and get away from the heavier sets. um, And that wasn't, always the case just because of the number of guys they went through and the different people they had available. But this year, do you think the game plan is going to be to get back to some more 12 personnel sets or is it like, what do you think the base is going to be for them?
0: Yeah, I think that, I mean, the base will still be 11 personnel, but definitely I I think there was a 10% drop in 12 personnel usage last season from, from 2020 to 2021. The thing is, I I think it's hard to analyze what exactly the thought process is, but I think John Robinson and the Titans front office made a gamble last offseason that they could go cheap at tight end and still run a heavy personnel offense. And it was shown to them very quickly that that was not going to work. And (laughs) so that's why you saw like a lot more shotgun, a lot more even 10 personnel. Um, and you know, they would do the thing with ch- I chart all the personnel like myself right. and I don't even count Anthony first, as a tight end. So I chart a lot of things as 10 personnel when they're just coming out and empty and Anthony Ferkser is technically a tight end, but like the defense knows he's, they're not just going to like <laughs> run power or something. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that having, having Chig and Austin Hooper, like those would have been their two best tight ends last season. And so now Jeff Swain can slide into a more appropriate role as the third tight end. And they, they should be, a, they should get a lot more production from that position.
1: Let's go to the other side of the ball for the Titans. There's been a lot of talk obviously about the loss of Harold Landry and what that means. Um, I wrote an article on it at broadwaysportsmedia.com last week. And um, in in one of my evaluations of ways in which they can replace or kind of fill in the the gap um, the, the loss of Harold Landry, part of that would was going to be if the secondary was able to, to really step up and allow the pass rush more time to get home, which is something I think le- either earlier or later that day, you um, had put something out on Twitter about how last year the Titans were one of the best teams in terms of the time that the pass rush had to get home. Um, talk to me a little bit about your thought process, I guess your evaluation on how... The Titans' secondary last year, albeit one of the weaknesses of the team overall, how they kind of quietly impacted the pass rush.
0: Yeah, I mean that's interesting that you frame it like that. It, it it's kind of uh, putting lipstick on a pig, I guess. Like really, what the, yeah. the statistic was showing is that the Titans had the fourth highest uh, average time to pressure. So basically, you take all the time, every single play that the Titans pressured the quarterback. What was the average time on those plays that it took the defense to pressure to the home. quarterback? Right. The Titans were the fourth longest. And so, what that indicates, and what just like watching the film indicates, is that a lot of the sacks that the Titans got last season were coverage sacks where there's just nothing open downfield. Mm. And you know, offensive lines are not built to hold up in five seconds in pass protection. And so like at a certain point, the the protection just breaks down the quarterback gets antsy runs out of the pocket. And then you've got guys like Harold Landry, um, Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons, all these guys that are, you know, super uh, high motor players and uh, Bud Dupree is another one and who are great at cleanup sacks and, and, you know, kind of uh, taking advantage of opportunities in that way. But when you look at it in terms of replacing a skill set, you know, like Harold Landry, just purely as a pass rusher, I don't think, um, you know, it will be that difficult to replace at this moment. The thing is, they can't afford to lose another guy because then Mm. you're starting Ola Denny and then, you know, he's he's not supposed to be a starter, but right. yeah, I I kind of I kind of just like went on a tangent. I'm not exactly. I don't even remember what your question was. But if you want to, just talking repeat,
1: about just talking about the impact that the the secondary can have on the pass rush this. Oh, year. for sure. Yeah. So
0: I mean, I, I think that the good thing is that the secondary should be improved because right. You're getting Caleb. You're adding Caleb Farley and Roger McCreary. I would say that I honestly think like Roger McCreary and Jack Robert Jenkins. That's like a lateral move. So just think mm. of the addition of Caleb Farley. Um, and so the secondary should be better. And there's no reason that the Titans can't continue to get covered, keep getting coverage stacks. You know, right. I expect right. another step forward with Jeffrey Simmons. I think he can um, get closer to being that like every down dominant pass rusher because it's still, it's, it's great now, but it's still happening more in flashes than just consistently play to play. Um, And so, I mean, I think there's places that you can project improvement um, in other areas. And so if you really, if you squint at it, you can see the Titans pass rush being as effective. But I could also see them regressing due to the loss of Harold Landry or just because a lot of the
1: ways they got sacks last year were kind of unsustainable. Let's look back to the Titans and Giants game coming up we know like i said a moment ago the titans love to find a way to lose these kinds of games it's kind of the the theme with this team they love to lose games they have no business losing and they love to win games that nobody expects them to win how could they manage to do that against this giants team if you if i were to tell you uh, by sunday evening you know in the nashville sports media community we're having to explain and sift through the rubble of a a, a second straight week one home collapse by the Titans. What would be your guess as to what went wrong? You want me to just go through the roster and list every <laughs> single
0: possible way that they could lose? So the first way is turnovers, which is kind of um, sure. irrespective of position, but like you remember that Steelers game where it was oh, yeah. like, nobody could hold on to the ball. So stuff like that can happen in football where it's almost it almost just kind of um, you know. Overpowers the talent differential and and just
1: you know doesn't matter how much better you are than the team if you lose, just give lose. them the ball over and over they're going to beat you right
0: exactly um, like I mentioned I do worry about Kadarius Tony um, with the Titans corners who aren't the most secure tacklers um, you know the offensive line like. I really like Andrew Thomas, but I think that I guess it's hard. It's hard for me to see an offensive line taking over the game. Really. I mean, as I, as I'm going, I'm just going through the Titans roster in my head. I would say you just have a disaster, a disastrous game in pass protection. You turn the ball over a ton um, or, you know, first week the receivers and Ryan Tannehill aren't gelling. It's a close game. And like the giants do have some firepower on offense. And so like, you know, if you give them a close game, they can, they can make up that seven or 14 points. So, so it's a, so that's it's, my it's a that's, game, but that's my think.
1: question. Do you see the only scenario in which they lose being a disaster? Um, Like they, they lose the game as opposed to the giants winning it. Or do you think this giants team is capable of winning the game?
0: Um, Not really. I mean, <laughs> they're capable of it, but I'm not, my expectation is that a Titans loss, we would be saying, yeah, they lost that game as opposed to just like, wow, Daniel Jones. Right.
1: There's no scenario in which like, man, the Titans looked good, but the Giants looked better. Let me tell you. Yeah. It's not
0: just like, yeah, you know, that's just what happens when you run into a, a talented team like the Giants. Um, <laughs> right. I right. It
1: happen. All right. One more question before you get out of here. I know you've already mentioned Kadarius Tony a handful of times, um, but who else on this Giants team? Should Tennessee, you know, in this past week of prep for the Giants, who do you think they're paying the most attention to?
0: Yeah, their safeties are really good in coverage, probably two of the they probably have like the worst run defending safety duo in the NFL, Um, unless there's someone else that's not coming to mind, but. Yeah, like in coverage, uh, Xavier McKinney especially is a really good safety. Uh, Dory Jackson has awful hands. He cannot get an interception to save his life. But in coverage, he's really solid. Um, So he's not like a player, again, that's going to take over the game. But, you know, he can. I could see him locking down Traylon Burks, honestly, um, just based on like route running versus coverage ability. Um, I mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau and um, Aziz Ojolari two talented young edge rushers, but they are both questionable for the game. So we'll see if they play, um, Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are solid run defenders on the inside, but they don't offer that much, um, in terms of pass rush. And then as far as like receivers and weapons, I'm a huge, or I was a huge Saquon Barkley fan. I think he just might be cooked physically. Um, so I'm not really sure what to expect from him. And, um, you know, Kenny Galladay, I guess is technical. Um, yeah, Kenny Galladay, Stop. I guess is technically a wild card because James. he has produced at a high level. You know, for an entire contract, and then he had one just abysmal season. And so we'll see if he's completely checked out or if there was that know, would be the most theory. Titans thing ever. If Kenny Galladay yeah.
1: turned it back on week one against the Titans,
0: wouldn't it? Could be. Hey, I mean, uh, new year, new me. <laughs> well, James. Um, <laughs> is and then, that all? But then the, uh, the, okay. the last thing that I will say, though, uh, for the Giants personnel wise is uh, Evan Neal. That could be I think that ah. is one weak spot, potentially, because he looked oh, pretty really in the preseason. I um, you know, he's a really talented prospect and I think he'll be a good right. tackle. But like Andrew Thomas, you know, who really most tackles we've gotten spoiled. Most tackles struggle early on and then kind of pick it up the third or fourth year. Yep. And um, I could see that being the case for Evan Neal.
1: Well, James, thanks for the time, man. We love having you on the show, obviously. Um, we we miss you as a host, but we we would hope to have you on as much as possible this year. And I know everybody listening loves to hear from you. So thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Next up, we've got a fun segment I'm excited to get into. and We might make this a uh, recurring segment on the show, depending on uh, how it goes and what are you know the responses from it. The Hot Read Heat Index is uh, the, the name of the game here. JT, explain what we're going to do.
2: Yeah, so basically on this segment right here, I'm going to give you a couple of different uh, outcomes and scenarios of things that could happen uh, this season. And basically, uh, you're going to tell me how hot of a take is that? So ranging from one being super sub-zero level temperature take, definitely going to happen, all the way up to 10, which is a scorching take, going to have to take a lot of things going right for them for this take to happen um, okay s-
1: so so you're just going to give me some takes and i'm yes. and i'm going to decide whether or not they are ridiculous hot takes or if they're pretty much just going to happen right correct all right uh um, let's get yeah, into it yeah going
2: into the first one we're going to start with uh an interesting one here coming back from injury last year derrick henry over 2000 rushing yards
1: i'll give this take a i'll give an eight and a half out of ten it's a pretty hot take not really having anything to do with the injury again the misconception seems to be that the you know the setbacks potential setbacks from his injury last season may be the thing that keeps derrick henry down a little bit this year but we know Based on this injury, based on the injury analytics that we have available to us now and past guys that have dealt with this, it's not really an injury that should linger. Um, he should fully be back to normal. He looks fully back to normal. I can report that much. Um, we're going to have to we're going to have to see how he looks in terms of just the tread on his tires and his age at this point. If anything sets him back or makes him you know, less than than he once was, it's going to be that it's going to be the wear and tear and just his age catching up with him, it won't. It almost certainly will not be that injury still hampering him. So I'll say that's not very likely. Over 2,000 again, it's never been done. If anybody was going to do it, it might be Derrick Henry. But I think I might just put this one past him.
2: Moving over to the receiving core here, we're going to go with Robert Woods.
1: Over 1,000 yards this season. I'll give this a three. I think this is more likely to happen than not. The Titans offense the past couple of seasons has been able to support at least one, if not a couple of right around 1,000 yard receivers. Um, we, We know that... In 2019, the Titans had rookie A.J. Brown and veteran Corey Davis both go for A.J. had over a thousand. Corey Davis had just under a thousand. I think it was 987. Um, And so you could see a pretty similar scenario to that. I could see a couple of Titans receivers having right at a thousand yards. Especially if it's the case that Robert Woods is really back in in his full capacity from the ACL injury last season, which, based on the timeline, seems kind of hard to believe that he'll start fully back to 100%. But based on looking at him at camp over the last couple of months, it's pretty believable. He looks pretty good in terms of that leg. He may end up being the the heavy wide receiver one here to begin the year as guys like Traylon Burks kind of get their sea legs under them. He may end up with 1,200 yards on the season, so I'll give it a three.
2: Moving on to the other side of the ball, we're going to talk a little bit about the Titans defense, and I'm going to give you a take here um, that the Titans defense will be a top five D this year in the NFL.
1: So this is interesting. If you'd asked me before Harold Landry went down for the year, I would have said probably a two. Honestly, I I I think that the Titans defense is fully capable of being the best defense in the league at some point this year. Um, with the loss of Harold Landry, obviously that that hampers it just a bit. Um, but, but we've talked about this. If you listen to the show on Monday, you know that I don't think the loss of Harold, Harold Landry is nearly as significant an issue as some are making it out to be. I'd say this is... A, a four out of 10. I think it's still probably more, slightly more likely to happen than not. I think that there's certainly, the, the talent is capable of being a top five defense. Now, if they end up there by the end of the year, we'll have to see, but I think that it's a four.
2: Moving into just kind of where they'll end up at the end of the season here. Okay. Um, I'm Gonna throw one out here that the Titans win the division as well. Being better than the three seed Mm. in the AFC.
1: Well, if the take was just that the Titans win the division, I'd give it a three or a four. I think it's certainly likely. I think it's more likely that the Titans win the division than the Colts. Obviously, Vegas disagrees, but Vegas has always disagreed as far as long as I've been paying attention to Vegas. And uh, the Colts have not won the division since 2014. So. Pardon me if I don't quite believe them. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, essentially, on the Colts, but that's a topic for another time. The Titans winning the division, a three or a four, but them winning the division and being a three... is Is it three seed or better or being one of the top two seeds in the conference?
2: Three seed or better.
1: Okay, so essentially, they're not the worst division winner. That's tough because we know the AFC is ridiculously stacked this year. On one hand, I want to say they'll probably be the weakest of the four division winners just because they'd probably be up against either the Chiefs or Chargers, the Ravens or Bengals um, or the essentially the Bills, unless the Dolphins make a dramatic leap. But there's also the case that at least in two of those divisions in the AFC North and the AFC West, those divisions are highly likely, I think, to cannibalize themselves much more than the afc south is now i don't think that the afc south is the cakewalk that it has been in the past in terms of well it's a one and a half or two horse race between the titans and the colts and then it's just cupcakes after that i'm high on the jaguars i've made that known for a little bit now i have futures bets on the jaguars to go over their win total i think the jaguars here's a hot take for you i think the jaguars will be fully in the playoff conversation by december i think that they will be around 500 down this final stretch of the season and be fully within the conversation now whether that they get in or not I don't know Um, it it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Titans are the Colts wins the division and the Jaguars are the two-seat I think that's entirely possible I really like the upside of of Trevor Lawrence as a second-year quarterback with incredible talent I love their coaching hire um, in Doug Peterson and I, I like some of the pieces they put around him now I think most likely scenario is they end up right around 8 and 9, 9 and 8, 7 and 10, somewhere in there. Um, So I I think that the the AFC South, all of that is to say the AFC South won't be only cupcakes. There should be two cupcakey games against the Texans. And if I'm wrong about the Jaguars, then maybe it will be four easier games. But now that I've gone all around the world on this take and really I've clearly I didn't have an answer in my head when we started this because uh, (laughs) I needed to break it all down in real time, stream of consciousness style, I will say I will say it's a seven out of ten. I think it's a relatively hot take.
2: Moving on to the back, onto the offensive side of the ball. We're gonna going to talk about back and uh, forth, man. We are going back and forth here. We're going to talk a little bit about the rookie, Traylon Burks. I'm mm. going to give you a take here that he leads all rookies in receptions this season.
1: Leads all rookies in catches this year. Listen, if you paid attention to the ESPN article that came out uh, by Jeremy Fowler earlier this week, I believe may have been over the weekend, actually, he was talking about some of the the hot takes he has on the year based on the things that he's been hearing from inside of these front offices. And his take for the Titans was exactly this. The Traylon Burks leads all rookies in catches. The role that these these Titans coaches have in mind for Traylon Burks. We've mentioned this before is significantly higher than I think a lot of people are expecting his usage. That is is significantly higher in their in their book of plans. So I'll say that this is a a five. I think that he has as good a chance as anybody else in terms of rookie wide receivers to lead the rookie class in catches. I think it's entirely possible. I'll give it a mild take rating of a five.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. I think Trey Burks continues, like even into the week up until the first uh, games here, that he still is one of the more underrated rookie receivers um, from this draft class. One more I got here for you. Ryan Tannehill, over 4,000 passing yards.
1: Mm, I like this one. I'm going to give it a six, which I think is a lower rating than a lot of people Expect. Let me real quick pull up Ryan Tannehill's career stats here. So Ryan Tannehill, if you look at his career stats, he's thrown for over 4,000 yards twice in his 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 seasons now. Um, and he's been really close a handful of other times. He's He's got another season of 3,900 thirty eight hundred thirty seven nine um so he's you know last season you kind of think oh the Titans passing game abysmal yes it was for a good bit of the season and even so he had thirty seven hundred passing yards on the season and so you know can he get three hundred less than three hundred more this year I think it's entirely possible I think him having over a four thousand yard Uh, passing season is doable I think it's in the cards that he may have a career year listen there's there's nothing that lights a fire under a dude's butt than the possibility of not being able to make 30 million dollars a year anymore that's a pretty great incentive and that's the uh, incentive that Ryan Tannehill is dealing with right now if he wants to remain a starter in this league he's got to have a fantastic year he knows that and he still has that bitter taste in his mouth from how last year went um so i think that it's entirely possible i will give it a six out of ten and that's it for the hot read heat index um really enjoyed that segment we're gonna, we're gonna come back to that at some point we've got one more segment to get into today so let's get into our best bet segment All right, best bets. JT and I have come up with two different things we want to talk about here. We're going to do a best bet gauntlet of sorts where we do a best bets draft every Friday. Him and I looking at the lines across the slate of NFL games that week outside of the Thursday game. Because, again, we want you know it to be relevant this week episode recorded on Thursday before the Thursday night game. But by Friday, the the results of that game are over. So if you guys want to bet with us or one of us, um, we want you to be able to do that. So we're taking the Thursday night game out, but every other game on the slate, including Sunday night and Monday night on the board and available, we're going to go back and forth picking our favorite bets. And uh, we're going to keep track of this all year. If you follow us on our socials, we're going to have graphics for this. And so um, if you want to ride or die with one of us, we will do that. Him and I did this privately with among amongst our friends in our group chat last year. And I um I don't remember how it ended, but um oh, JT. Do. Oh, do you how yeah? How
2: um I do remember that I kind of dominated you last year.
1: <laughs> okay, JT might have had a career year betting. Um I'm not and gonna I might have had a career worst year betting last year. Um, but clearly the the regression to the mean for you is imminent, <laughs> right? Yeah,
2: I I would like to say that I could pull off another uh, seven weeks uh hot streak there where I go five and zero through seven weeks, and just yeah. kind of run up the scoreboard there. But uh, well, not, not only did you
1: beat me like five or six or seven weeks in a row, but for like five or six or seven weeks in a row, every single week you were like four and one or five and zero in your five yeah, picks. I was, it was I was hitting ridiculous. a lot. Yeah. All um, right, So who wants to go first here?
2: Well, I, I guess, you know, I would say I would go first, but I do feel kind of bad for you losing so bad last year. So I'm going to give you the first pick
1: in this draft Fine. here. You know what? I'm not I'm not too proud to take it. Just giving me the advantage <laughs> to get out to an early start here. And I have to say before we start this week, one of the NFL season is the hardest week of it's the year so by a mile to bet. And it's because these lines, there will be no sharper lines all year long than these lines. They have been adjusted meticulously bet for months now. These lines have been out since the schedule came out earlier in March. And so, you know, these lines are super duper sharp. Um, You know, we like to fancy ourselves as amateur sharps here on the show. But even we know that these lines are kind of crappy. So we're going to be betting these ourselves. But in terms of uh, number of units placed on these bets... This will probably be my my cheapest week of betting just because all of these lines I know are designed to um, be painful and horrible and for you to lose money. So I'll be happy with a three and two week. Honestly, Um, my first pick out of the gate here, I'm going to ride with the team that I think is going to make an incredible leap this year, and that is Kirk Cousins and the Vikings as a one and a half home dog um dark horse MVP candidate this uh i have said in private chats that i think kirk cousins is a dark horse mvp mvp candidate i'll put that out there into the world you can laugh at me now but listen if it happens you're never going to hear the end of it from me um (laughs) (laughs) the, the vikings as a one and a half point home dog obviously love a home dog here love them in this spot we know that the vikings in a divisional divisional home dog mind you There's nothing more attractive to me in betting than a divisional home dog. Um, Even in the first week of the season, listen, the Packers wide receiver core, you know, I can't say for sure that it's bad, but we don't know what it is because they're so young. And so I think it's going to take some time for them to gel and to build up the trust of Aaron Rodgers, who in the past has been kind of finicky in terms of who he trusts to throw the ball to. The Vikings, on the other hand, they've got a new coach, who I think is a dramatic upgrade over Mike Zimmer. Kirk Cousins is certainly a serviceable quarterback. Who, in the right scheme, I think can. I think he's kind of a a Ryan Tannehill type in terms of if he has the weapons around him, he's certainly capable of of engineering um, scoring drives on a regular basis and and not being a hindrance to the team. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, um, they've got all of these guys. Adam Thielen still has gas in the tank that I think are going to be really explosive this year. And the Vikings have a really great history against the Packers in recent past. They've given them real troubles, especially at home. So give. I mean, the Vikings and one and a half points of cushion against the Packers.
2: Interesting first pick there. I'm kind of glad you went with them so you wouldn't take my favorite game of the week here.
1: OK, Um,
2: I'm going to go with uh one that I will be watching very closely, and it's because ever since the trade happened, I've been looking forward to this game. The trade. And, um, I'm going to take the Carolina, Carolina game. Yeah. I'm taking Carolina okay. versus the Browns here. Look, I've seen this game this week go from uh panthers minus two and a half to panthers minus one and a half to today where they're at a pick'em, and hmm. which is really interesting to me being very at home interesting here. um listen i am just very high on the baker mayfield revenge tour here <laughs> yeah, against yeah. his former team i love that swagger i think he's um in a way better situation right now than he was last year with the browns um, I also just don't think that Jacoby Brissett's going to go out there and do enough against this Panthers team uh, to win. So, in, in a pick 'em game, give me Carolina here. Um, I know in my personal uh, bets, I am taking Carolina as far as maybe up by five this game. That's how hard Oh, I you're going to tease them. them all the way
1: down to like Carolina minus five and get all I that might. extra juice. Interesting. I might. Interesting. All right. My next pick. Given the Steelers. The Steelers, another home division dog. I'm hunting home division dogs. They're away this week. Oh, are they? Okay, never mind. Regardless, a division dog nonetheless, and almost a touchdown division dog. Steelers plus six and a half at Cincinnati. Now, we know that the Steelers in divisional games are always more feisty than they should be on paper. And listen, do we remember back to last year, week one? Let me take you on on a trip down memory lane to last year in week one. Pause, I'm pulling up that tweet because it's a good tweet. In week one of the 2021 NFL season, the Bills were a six and a half point favorite and lost by seven to the Steelers. The Jaguars, a three-point favorite, lost by 16 to the Texans. The Packers, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, lost by 35 to the Saints. The Falcons, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, lost by 26 to the Eagles. And the Titans, a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, lost by 25 to the Cardinals. So the lessons here are that week one is a liar. Week one lies on a regular basis. You got to be very careful betting these games. And we don't even know what we don't know yet about these teams. That's what I tweeted out earlier this week when I was was reminding myself of how that, that week went last year. And I think this is another game. I mean, again, like I said, the Steelers beat the Bills by 14 points uh, against the spread. Ended up winning by a touchdown, despite being almost a touchdown underdog. I see this being... Another perfect example of that. Now, do I think the Steelers will win outright? But six and a half points, that's a lot of points to be giving the Steelers. Give me the Steelers plus six and a half.
2: Listen, I love that. Yeah, that's a good pick, I think. Um, I love your explanation explanation on there. Um, But, I mean, I'm just going to kind of throw that out the window and take the Broncos six and a half here going into uh, Hmm. Seattle. Um, I think I'm going to take, I'm just taking all the revenge games, I guess. I'm going to take Russ to go on the road here into Seattle and just kind of light it up. I think he, um, with that new team, I think it, to me, I almost dare say it feels like a no brainer, at least in my brain here. I just don't trust that Seahawk, uh, team right now. Their defense is pretty sketchy. And then of course they're rolling out Tyrod Taylor as um, not Tyra Taylor, Geno Smith. Yes.
1: Right. Yeah, Geno, Geno Smith. Smith. I, I, which, get, I get I get them mean, two,
2: I get those two mi- mixed up. No, I mean that's um,
1: kind of a it doesn't really matter either one, right?
2: Yeah. Um just give me the Broncos in this game. I think Russ is gonna
1: cook. Man, I dis- this is the first one I disagree with you on. Not because I think the Seahawks are great, but just because we've seen guys return to play against their old team. Remember Tom Brady last year with the Bucks going up to New England, and they should have won that game by I believe the spread was at least a touchdown and they ended up barely winning on a last second um, field goal that was missed by new England. I could see Russ getting into, uh, into Seattle for the first time, standing on the other side of the sidelines for the first time, being just weirded out against his old team. And also listen, Pete Carroll, he desperately wants to beat Russell Wilson with his backup. This is an ongoing narrative feud between those two. And you think Pete Carroll doesn't want to prove to Russ that, he can do, he's going to do whatever it takes. I think uh, to make this a game, I don't think they're going to win, but six and a half points. I'll let you have it with the Broncos. I'm going to go with the, the Homer pick here. I think the Titans minus five and a half against the giants hosting. The giants is kind of a no brainer pick. Obviously we know that the Titans in these kinds of games love to try to lose. Um, And would it shock me if they, this feels like either the Titans cover comfortably or they lose outright. I don't, I don't know if there's really an in between, frankly, um, but five and a half points—you know—under that key number of six, I I love that price. I think that they're going to win relatively comfortably. I wouldn't bet them to be up big by halftime, but I think by the end of the game, um, I think the the jig's going to be up, and the better team is going to prevail pretty comfortably. So, give me the Titans giving five and a half points.
2: Pretty mad at you for taking that. One. That was going to be my next one. There, <laughs> uh, interesting. Got a pivot here um and one that keeps catching my eye here is that Buck's game at the Cowboys um mm-hmm. uh, same week one matchup from last season um were six and a half I think there were six and a half point favorites in that one of course they were at home now they are going on the road won that game by a field goal. I think that Cowboys team got worse than they were last year week one um I think that Buck's team has relatively stayed the same minus maybe Gronk there um. Of course, you can look at the Cowboys receiving core, which is very different than it was week one last year. Um, not loving what they have in the backfield, even though they want to push it and push it with Zeke. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, give me the Bucks minus two and a half here.
1: All right, with my fourth pick, I'm going to take another, and this one is really at home because I checked, another home divisional dog. Give me the Texans getting seven points hosting the Colts. We know that the Colts are historically bad in the beginning of the season. They start so slow. Frank Reich, uh, only four games of sample size as a head coach, but in his four games so far, four game ones of the year, he has not covered a single time. And giving seven points to a divisional rival, I don't care who it is, is too many points. It's really as simple as that. The Colts start slow. Seven points for a home divisional dog is way too many. Give me the Texans to cover. I'm going to take uh, another one just caught
2: my eye. I'm going to take another historically bad team here, but for a different reason. It's not really going to make sense, but just the Jaguars. I'm going to take the Jaguars at plus two and a hmm. half here. The Jaguars, I believe in their last 16 games against NFC teams are uh, winless, but I just cannot uh, I cannot escape the narrative of Carson Wentz having to play uh, the Jaguars Already again, so soon. Um, I think the Jaguars are a better team this year. And personally, I'm just not a huge fan of Carson Wentz. So give me the Jaguars to start out the year with a win.
1: All right. With my last pick, I'm going to take Detroit and the points. Give me MCDC, Motor Motor City, City, Dan Campbell, and the Motor City Kitties catching four points, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the all hype team of the offseason season. Um, now are they going to be good? Yeah. Are they going to be better than Dallas? I think so. Cause I think Dallas is going to be awful, but I don't think they're going to be incredible. Um, and I, I think it'll take some time to get used to some of these new pieces. They're a better team than Detroit is no doubt, but I think Detroit matches up really well with them. Something that Detroit can match up with anybody on is the offensive line. They've got a really great offensive line. They've got a nice defensive line as well. They bolstered it obviously with the first o- or second overall pick, um, so they they've got Aiden Hutchinson in there and some guys that can get after the passer a little bit. I think that Detroit getting over a field goal at home in this game, it just feels right. I just I'm I'm a I'm a big I'm big on Detroit like a lot of people are this year. They're so fun to root for. If I end up losing this bet, I'll still feel all right with it because uh, I'm betting with my heart on this one. Give me Detroit catching four.
2: Looking at this board here, there's not a lot <laughs> left that I like. Yeah, there's nothing that yeah. really stands out to me here. I, I'm flirting a little bit with Miami versus uh, the Patriots here. But as we know, Bill Belichick against new head coaches, I think, is he, is he undefeated against the spread? against I believe, new coaches? I believe he's
1: something ridiculous, like 22-0 really against this. And he's not won every game, but I believe he's covered like 22 and zero against the spread against r- rookie coaches. Yeah. It's something that's crazy. Terrifying. I, I so cannot take them. I, yeah. I don't love betting. You know,
2: give me, give me the Raiders plus three and a half against at the Chargers.
1: Okay. Another divisional um, game.
2: Another divisional game. Of course I divisional games are always close, man. They play each other so much. They're True. very familiar with that team. And I mean that these two teams in the past have been high scoring, high octane offenses, Um, but it's not like they're blowing each other out, you know, it's always one score, then the other and one score and another. Um, and I think that, you know, either the Raiders could win, or I feel like they're only going to lose by as much as a field goal here. So give me the Raiders in this one. And that's going to round out my side. I'm all right. Yeah.
1: Let's recap it here. Who, who you got?
2: I have, uh, Carolina as a pick Broncos minus two and or sorry minus six and a half at the Seahawks. Bucks minus two and a half at the Cowboys. Jaguars plus two and a half at Commanders. And Raiders plus three and a half at the Chargers. So a lot of away teams this
1: week. That's right. And I'm rolling with um all and you're also you've got yeah, you're pretty mixed favorites and and underdogs. I'm riding with all dogs this week except for the Titans. I'm taking the Vikings and plus one and a half uh, hosting the Packers, the Steelers plus six and a half on the road in Cincinnati, the Titans minus five and a half hosting the Giants, the Texans at plus seven uh, hosting the Colts and the Lions at plus four hosting Philadelphia. So we'll, uh, we'll be, we we'll be tracking these. I'm sure we'll talk about it on Monday, how our weeks went. We'll, we'll touch on it briefly. And before we finish the best bet segment and uh, finish the show for today, We wanted to each week JT and I put our sharp minds together. We have constructed a community parlay, a same game parlay on the Titans game that we would love for you to join us on ride with. We're hoping to win a couple of these this year. And when they hit, they're going to be delicious. We've put a lot of time and effort into this. So JT here's it's a, it's a four, four leg parlay. Okay. The first leg is Titans minus two and a half teasing that down under the field goal. Um, I, I think that's a pretty no brainer. We expect the Titans to win this game Um, under the field goal, you know, protects you against if they win by three, it still hits. That's pretty simple. Nothing really to say there, right? Derrick Henry under 129 and a half yards is our next leg. Now, we all know Titans fans, you should know that Derrick Henry starts each season slow. And uh, to go over 130 yards in this game rushing, I think, would be surprising to anyone, especially considering the fact that, listen, they should be winning this game handily in the third and the fourth quarter. They shouldn't need to lean heavily on him, right?
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, If you look in that last game uh, last year, he went, I think, 17 carries for 58 yards there in that first game against Arizona. Right. Um it might take him a little bit to get back up to speed here and I think if they are winning against the Giants like they should in this game, um it's better to just, you know, keep him not rely on him so much and kind of conserve him a little bit as they go into the third and fourth. I like um Henry under 100, 129 and a half I think it
1: was. Yep. Um in this game. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a pretty safe one for me, right? So we've got Titans minus two and a half Derrick Henry under 129 and a half. And then we're going with Derrick Henry over six reception yards. Now this one's a little bit curious on the surface, but um, as a receiver last year, Derrick Henry, he was getting the ball passed to him significantly more. And we know that that was the direction he and the team was trying to go in before he got hurt. I still believe that's the direction they're trying to go in. You see him practicing reception drills at camp on a relatively regular basis. And over six reception yards essentially just means he needs to get a reception. Maybe two, but if he gets the ball once, he's probably getting at least five or six yards. Um, He went over that number in six of his eight games last year before getting injured. And then in 2020, when he wasn't even really in the receiving game at all, he went over in half of those games as well. So I fully expect this to be an easy one to hit. All they need is for him to get the ball passed to him once.
2: Yeah, like you said, um, and in those six of eight games last season where he did go over that, he did um, get at least two receptions in those games. Um, So I think it is a pretty safe one. Like you said, if he gets it once, I think he's got the ability to get those six yards, and that's another pretty safe one to me.
1: All right, so our last one here is Saquon Barkley, under 59 and a half. In 11 of his 13 games that he played last year, he went under this number, under 60 rushing yards, 11 of 13. Um, So I think you also, and you can't, on DraftKings at least, include this in the same game parlay, but having um, an under on his rushing attempts is also not a bad idea. Uh, Under, I think it was 14 and a half. Um, but for the parlay, 11 of 13 games, he went under 60 last year. The Titans defensive front, their run defense is stout. It's going to remain stout. Um, he's not, I, I seriously doubt, especially, listen, if they're down the whole game like we expect them to be, running the ball is probably not going to be the game script for them.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be down in this game. I think you're going to have to um, use Saquon Barkley more in that um in in the receiving game. And I mean, even in games where they won last year, I mean, um, he was still not running the ball a lot. And um, as uh, James Foster said earlier on the show in that interview, he said um, that Saquon might be past his prime here. You know, it's going to take, I think everybody starts off slow here. And especially in this first game, I'm not looking for Saquon to have a huge day rushing. So give me the under on that one.
1: All right, so that's our community parlay for the week. One more time, Titans minus two and a half, teased down. Derrick Henry under 129 and a half rushing yards. Derrick Henry over six reception yards. And Saquon Barkley under 59 and a half rushing yards. And I believe the price on that parlay was plus 310 or something like that. It's pretty yep. pretty nice odds. So I think it's it's about bet five, bet five, win 20, Um, bet bet 10, win 40, right in that range so Mm -hmm. we'll uh we'll see if that one hits and if it doesn't we'll try again next week but go ahead ride ride with us on this one guys let's hey titans nation let's ride all right we're gonna ride ride. (laughs) we're gonna gonna ride on the community parlay um so that's that's gonna do it for for today on the show again not a whole lot of substance in this show we kind of just had some fun with it hope you had some fun as well before you go make sure in case you missed it earlier Today on Thursday when we're recording, but yesterday, if you're listening on Friday, second in victory with Austin Nelson, Brett Batchelor and Chris Carter, uh, their podcast dropped yesterday morning, as well as Music City Audible with Justin Mello and Justin Graver. Both of those shows came out yesterday morning. And then last night, the Mike Herndon show debuted on the Broadway sports uh network of shows not really a podcast but you'll you'll see a free version of it on our podcast feeds and then if you want the full show you got to go become a broadway insider broadwaysportsmedia.com get that full show it's fantastic obviously if you're a titans fan then you know who mike herndon is you know how great he is i'm the executive producer on that show and i promise it's worth watching so go check it out if you have missed it and if you're not an insider become an insider and then go check it out Um, And then last thing, don't miss the best of Broadway, which is a new podcast series that'll be on this podcast feed, as well as all of our other Broadway sports media podcast network feeds on Saturday morning. It's going to be a best of segment our best best of all the segments of our collective podcast network shows on that show from the week. So it's going to be a a best of all of the audio content we had to offer from that week. You're going to want to check it out on Saturday morning. Of course, JT and I will be back to break down the first Titans game of the year on Monday morning for you guys. Enjoy the game this weekend. Have some fun. Enjoy the uh, NFL football and we will talk to you on Monday.